Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. Today on my podcast, I have someone that I met really recently, like just within the last couple of weeks, but I want to say she made such an impression on me. We've already met just briefly on Zoom just to kind of get to know each other, And the way we met was through a webinar by uh, the Education Speaker Summit, which was really, really cool. And we connected about belonging, of course, and what she calls intercultural creativity, a concept she has trademarked and presents to corporations and educators about. And I'm so excited to have you here. Janine Ledford, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share. Yeah, so I mentioned how we know each other and just briefly about intercultural creativity, but I'm sure my listeners are curious about more to know more about you. So tell us. Sure. Well, I'm an educator by trade. I taught for 15 years at the same school. Can you believe it? And I just knew that I was meant to teach and I was knew I was meant to create. I've actually, you know, born in a four child family, same single parent home. But my mother, I always say my mother is the one who created intercultural creativity. I'm just the one bringing it to, to the world. So she knew the importance of us traveling. She knew the importance of putting us in situations where we felt slightly uncomfortable, but we had to connect with people with different backgrounds, different lived experiences. She knew the importance of, yes, reading about Niagara Falls in a book, but also standing there hearing the thunderous water hit, you know, the the basin. It's just, she knew how to make learning and living come alive. And so in my classroom, when I got into my own classrooms, I wanted to do the same thing for my stu- students. Sure. But I, and my, my mother also knew the importance of the arts. And if you look at my work, I make sure I separate creativity from our artistry, even though they are connected. But there's a lot of people who think they're not creative because they're not excellent in the arts. So we are, we are u- using a new... Um, <laughs> we're using a new definition that says creativity is the process of problem finding and problem solving with relevance, value, and novelty. And the reason why artists kind of hijack the term, you know, a creative or I'm a creative is because they're excellent in the creative process, but the creative process can be found in any field, in anywhere, and it's found in everyone. So going forward after 2020 and this very interesting time that we're in, it's time for people to reclaim their creativity. So coming from the education world and now doing trainings with in the corporate world and education, I'm always a teacher by heart. So, you know, that's what we do, right? Once a teacher, always a a teacher. I'm trying to show people that intercultural creativity is creating, being creative, but with people from different lived experience, different backgrounds, different cultures, not just ethnic cultures, but all the diversity demographics, including Mm -hmm. cognitive diversity, all the cultures that people bring to the table, how can we create and innovate together? Absolutely. 
And your background is so interesting and in how, how you sort of came and the shout out to your mom, which is really awesome. Yeah. So my first question to my guests, uh, Janine, is always, if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's mm -hmm. the first thing or things that come to mind? Well, in the work that I do, I say, you know, organizations hire people, not just to hold hands and, you know, sing kumbaya, you know, they, we hire people in order to do a job and to be productive and to give value. But at the same time, you don't want people coming in to do their job and they feel excluded. It's toxic. There's high stress. They don't trust anyone. The leadership might be, a, you know, like authoritative and not listening. So you don't want that e either. So when I think of belonging, I think of you're an environment where people value and respect you and your ideas. And there is a culture of creativity, innovation, and connectedness where we can share, we can do disagree, but we disagree um, respectfully and effectively where it's transformational. Um, you know, I, I, I have a friend that I interviewed on my, my own po podcast and she doesn't talk about conflict resolution. She talks about conflict transformation. So even in the conflict, we're becoming better because we're communicating. So when I think of belonging, I think of all those skills just swirling around together of transformational creativity, intercultural create creativity. That's amazing. Uh, you know, when you when you said it, it makes so much sense because if if we really come out on the other side of conflict in the way that we should, it is transformational rather than than the other. So yeah, so I I love that. Um, I want to get into all that you're doing, which is really amazing. I I love the kinds of trainings that you're doing and the things that you've put together in order to bring this idea of creativity, which isn't just to do with the arts, but it is a process. And so you talk about the seven gems of intercultural creativity, which you've put together is, and that it's a leading framework that encourages corporations and of course, educators with their mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion development, which I feel is obviously very related to the subject of belonging, but also related to everything that's going on in the world right now. So tell our listeners more about the intercultural creativity and its intersectionality with diversity, inclusion, I imagine equity and all of those things. Mm -hmm. and. When you get done with that, because I know this can take you a while, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the diversity diamond, but the whole idea of the seven mm -hmm. gems to start off with, to kind of give us a general idea of what that looks like. Sure. Well, metaphorical thinking is a creative skill, right? So I'm all the big about, and as educators, we know we want our kids to be strong in their metaphorical and figurative language, right? right. So I, one of the things that I trained with people is their own metaphorical thinking. And so for my company, our metaphor is the diamond because we're here to help people shine bright. And I have the 16 diamond tools of creative thinkers, which goes over some of these seven gems, but over metaphorical thinking and some other things. But with the seven gems, I looked at how 
intercultural development, which is your ability to connect with people from other cultures and to shift perspectives and to adapt depending on your cultural environment, that is a a skill. And -hmm. people don't understand that that's a developmental skill, just like math, just like learning a language, you work at it and you get better. Mm-hmm. And creative thinking is a skill as well. And when I really put these side by side, I realized, wait, they're resting upon the same set of skills. And so that is the impetus of, of the seven gems. The first gem is creative growth mindset, really, you know, um, connected to the work of Carol Dweck and the growth mindset theory of yeah. how you need to look at it, that it's a developmental process and you might fail at times. It's okay. The world is not going to end. You just keep at it. You keep keep doing it. And failure is great because we look at failure as a learning process, not as an end all be all I'm just done. And so we, we add that type of thinking to the intercultural development process, which um, that's the work done by Dr. Hammer. And so he looks at the monocultural mindset to all the way to the intercultural mindset. So those are people who really know how to shift perspective and go in and out of different cultures versus the monocultural mindset. Those are people who may not have been exposed to a lot of cultures or may just really want to be in their own set ways and not really take the time to explore. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes we put people in leadership positions who have a monocultural mindset, which is very damaging to the team dynamic. So People need to be aware of their orientation, you know, their, mm-hmm. their intercultural mi- mindset so they can start moving along the continuum and work mm-hmm. us on those skills. The second gem is the empath- empathetic way. We, we're, he- we're hearing that a lot in business the past decade, empathy, having an open mind. And what people don't understand is the concept of open-mindedness and doing new things is the number one indicator of highly creative thinkers. And so to be intercultural competent, you have to have an open mind, but also to be a highly creative thinker, you have to have an open mind. So there's that connection there. Yeah. And, you know, empathy, emotional awareness. Um, Mm -hmm. This third gem is cultural observation and just observation in general. A lot of times we have dulled our senses. You know, we don't really, in in schools, we don't really train them on how to Mm -hmm. really take in sensual um, information. And it's just really cerebral and not, they're not able to think with their body and to think with their senses. So how do we bring that back into the curriculum? But also I say, I call it, I see you, I see me cultural observation, we have to do a better job of re- reflecting. Okay. What am I, how am I reacting to, to things? Yes. Um, biases. I, I go over um, unconscious bias training within this, this gem, because that's a big thing. Not mm-hmm. only does biases stop you from connecting with people from various cultures and lived experiences, it stops you from growing your creative capacity as well. So once again, there's that double connection. And um, the fourth one is cultural curiosity. Curiosity drives creative exploration, but it also drives your ability to connect with people from different cultures and to ask questions and to see their lived experiences. So um, seeking information to fill gaps in knowledge through cultural respectful questioning and investigation reveals new possibilities and diverse opportunities to innovate. So that there's a huge connection there. The fifth one is perspective shifting. You have to be able to shift perspectives to think create creatively. But you also have to think uh, shift perspectives to really get in the mind of the people who are are from different backgrounds than than you. So that is a skill. And also user experience, right? If you're talking UX, Mm -hmm. if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be very successful creating your product because you don't understand Mm -hmm. your audience, right? 
Yes. Yes. So knowing how to dance that dance, you know, and walk mm-hmm. that walk. I, I use a lot of a metaphors, but um, they're so wonderful. The I one, love it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the sixth one is authentic at adaptation. So, you know, like, let's, let's say you are deal, dealing with ethnic cultures and you are going to maybe an Eastern culture, but you're from the Western culture, you know, after you've observed and you've been curious and you've done your research, how do you adapt your behavior? And so um, that is another skill. Number one, I like to bring in the arts because the arts can help you and the arts helps you do a lot of these skills mm-hmm. as, as well. And the last one is creating across cultures, being the bridge, you know, how do you be a bridge for other people to strengthen their skills so they can Mm -hmm. just make connections because you can't, it's difficult to create with other people. If there's, if there's breaks in communication connections and just that, you know, um, coming together. And so those are the seven gems. And like I said, I'm a big arts advocate. I taught music for many years and I use the arts to teach creative thinking and intercultural creativity. So I'm not against the arts. I love, love the arts, but I just don't want people to think creativity is only the art. Oh, I, I think that's so important because the, my, my listeners can't see that I was pointing at myself when you were talking about that <laughs> earlier, because mm-hmm. I have always thought, well, I can only draw a stick figure. So that doesn't make me very creative, but I have mm-hmm. learned very lately that actually you're right. There are so many other bits and pieces to the idea of creativity, just because you're not mm-hmm. artistic does not mean that you're not creative. It's all in the thinking processes and all the things you just mentioned. And so, yeah, if you can kind of segue now into the the whole, um, you know, the metaphor of the diamond and the 16 elements of that, because I think that's really important uh, for everybody to be aware of too. Sure. You know, staying with the metaphor of the diamond and how we're all meant to shine bright. If you know about diamonds, number one, they're in raw form. They don't look all pretty the way we see them on our rings when they're first discovered un- un- underground and also the process of what they go through to be formed. There's a lot of heat. There's a lot of pressure. So I use that metaphorically to say all of the issues that you've gone through life are helping right. you show up and be the powerful person you are today. Love so that. I worked with a lot of um, kids from lower wealth areas who have had some strug- struggles that a lot of us haven't had really to deal with. But I, I just reframe them like, hey, how can you use that to your ad- advantage? So that's just one aspect of the process of a diamond being formed. Mm-hmm. The diversity diamond says once it's cut, right? It has all of these facets. And a lot of times, if you're not in a culture of belonging, you're not able to show a lot of your facets because of whatever main culture is is not acknowledging them or not mm-hmm. valuing them. So like for me, I'm you see me, I'm I'm an African American. Um, I'm a, a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but things you don't see, you know, I I I married, I'm a mother, um, I have a system, you know, a system college education, um, you know, single parent home, just there's different facets to my experiences. And then when you talk about the intersectionality of it all, of people from marginalized groups and these, mm-hmm. these groups, these intersections of these demographics coming together and what that could mean for, you know, an African-American man versus an African-American mm-hmm. wo- a woman, there's different experiences there. And yeah. And also I use this in this I see me portion. So looking at all these facets, 
what has your experience been? And are you in the dominant group in some areas and maybe the subdominant group? Like when it comes to education, I'm in the dominant group. I have a lot of degrees, but I also separate system education, you know, the mm-hmm. formal school from life education. There's people who may not have a slew of college degrees, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of education, but we don't recognize that. So, you know, right. that might be a subgroup. So what has that lived experience been like for, for them? Mm-hmm. Also, I'm a, a heterosexual fem- a female. It doesn't cross my mind to grab my husband's hand in, in public, but if I was in a different group, I might think twice. I have a different lived experience. So right. really having people stop and think about Mm. their facets and what that looks like. Once you realize your own experience, it's even easier or more accessible to Mm -hmm. perspective shift. And that's what intercultural development is all about. Your ability to perspective shift. I love that idea of facets because it moves us away from this whole thing of strengths and weaknesses or areas needing improvement or or what is, you know, it's better in us than the other, whatever this whole idea of mm-hmm. facets is. And the, the metaphor of the diamond is brilliant, <laughs> pun intended. D- d- divine, divine <laughs> gift, but thank you. Yes, yes. because I, I, you know, you can visualize exactly what you're talking about. It's fantastic. And I've never heard it explained quite in that way. And and it really relates to everything that, you know, that I talk about. So it's, it's really awesome. Um, you, you mentioned that, you know, you're a mom. And so I wanted to, to talk about what should we be doing? I know that you also train educators, some of your, or maybe the majority of your focus is corporations, but your heart is also with education. What would you suggest we be doing right now in the realm of education? And I know you're doing some of that with your son and he's only three, but there's a lot that you and your husband are doing with him. So tell us a little bit more about that for for those who are listening who are educators, what are the kinds of things that we should be looking at in terms of your processes and what you've discovered about intercultural creativity and the whole idea of diversity and inclusion? Sure, sure. Well, um, this goes for parents, for educators, people in authority positions and caretakers as well. Mm -hmm. And we have the power of creating culture. And so what, you know, once we really intentionally understand that, I think that's Mm -hmm. the first step. The second step is understanding that the world you and I grew up in is different than the world that our children are growing up up, up in, especially after this pandemic, you know, things Mm -hmm. have hugely shifted. So the concept of intercultural creativity and creative thinking is now shooting up to the top. So, you know, when I was going through school, it was like, memorize this stuff, pass the SATs, you know, Mm -hmm. get that high GPA and then follow directions and you're good to go for the next 40 years. Well, you, we know that has upended. That is not the case. So for our children to be able to see themselves as creators mm-hmm. is key. And so, you know, the project that I'm working on that you um, partnered with, with uh, my three-year-old son on thank Thank you so much is, is the, concept of how do we support these 16 diamond tools and these seven gems of intercultural creativity within our kids. So the Mm -hmm. first thing is my mindset. You know, I, my son wakes up and he says, I am creative, you know, um, my Mm -hmm. degrees in psychology. So I really look at the power of the subconscious mind, things that get repeated either by them or around them get internalized within them. So if he's hearing that he's not creator or, or, or he's, you know, 
you know, not, not this or not that, or no, Mm -hmm. no, no, all the time Mm -hmm. that shuts down his, his exploration. And like I said before, exploration and open-mindedness are the number one key factors to highly creative think uh, thinkers. Another thing is getting them outside to explore. They can, um, I'm interviewing Dr. Michael Platt out of the Wharton school of business over at Penn. Mm -hmm. And he's a neuroscientist and looked at how exploration, the, the, chemical in your brain we, we all know about dopamine um mm-hmm. and but this there's this chemical called norepinephrine that mm-hmm. shows up in your pupil and people with larger pupils during rest periods are actually ready to explore more so they can tell how oh, creative wow. you are by the by your pupil size it's amazing great book i highly recommend it called the the leader's brain Because in essence, we're all leaders. So for parents to be mindful of the culture they're building, allowing their kids Mm -hmm. to explore and to question and to be curious, if we're cutting them down and rushing, and I'm guilty of this as well, you know, when you got to get out out the door to make that appointment, Mm -hmm. but to always set it up of saying, you know what, we're going to set some time out just to explore. And I have, you know, now that I'm you know, pandemic and we're quarantined that we had a whole 2020 year of just exploring. (laughs) Yes. We did, which continues, right? Yes, but we need to yes, use yeah. that time mindfully, though. You're right. Mind- mindfully. And so mm-hmm. allowing them to question, allowing them to sit with discomfort. You don't have to give them the answer all the time. And actually, I don't really give him the answer a lot. I say, mm-hmm. wow, that's an amazing question. So I celebrate his process of questioning. And then I say, well, how, how can we find that out? You know, good educators mm-hmm. already know this process. Because mm-hmm. you want your child and to be able to understand that there's multiple sources of gaining inform information. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other yeah. the other thing is making connections out of things that aren't connected. So how is um, his mm-hmm. drone connected to an owl? You know, um, he's writing a book, we're we're writing a book, but he's writing the book called I Am Creative. And it yeah. shows him going throughout his day doing these 16 diamond tools so parents and teachers can actually see what he's looked like. Oh, he's making connections. Oh, he's going through abstraction. Mm-hmm. you know, and just all the, the, the big terms, but that your two-year-olds do on their own. Another thing is functional fixedness. Uh, that's a big term, but it all, but it just means my son put a placemat on his head and said, it's a hat. You know, it's the concept, <laughs> sure. it's a concept of you buying a $100 gift for your child and then mm-hmm. taking the gift out of the box and playing with, with the box with for the box. two yes. hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is functional agility. Adults, mm-hmm. we grow out of that because of culture. So adults have functional fixedness. So we only see the object for its intended use. Oh. We don't see it for other uses. Children right. don't have that ish, that issue. They can right. turn, yeah, a placemat into a hat, a box into a spaceship in the matter of minutes. all of that pretend it's so when we we, yeah. we we sort of beat the pretend out of them that's you know yeah. we sort of teach the pretend out of them which is really a shame mm-hmm. yeah you're right those are the yeah. things that really inspire them it's the imagination aspect and now adults need to regain i don't think we lose it we just it just atrophies so adults mm-hmm. need to regain that imagination right. um, um uh, you know, process and going back to the brain, I'm a huge brain nerd. So forgive me. <laughs> no, but, that's okay. Know. I'm the same way. <laughs> 
but you know, the, when the brain's focused on a task, we call that like the, um, like the focus task, uh, right. net network. And like, you're doing bills or you're sending emails or you're doing mm-hmm. spreadsheets, but when you're daydreaming, they call that the innovation net network. So mm-hmm. like when my son would be just staring out of the window, I'd be like, okay, Sean, Sean, come, you know, come back. You know how, how, how we snap folks back. Mm-hmm. Well, I stopped doing that because oh. he's not disassociating because of trauma or anything. Sometimes people do do that because of trauma, but he hasn't, you know, mm-hmm. thank goodness he hasn't gone through any of that. Yeah, but, um, but for the creative part, he's in his mm-hmm. brain swimming around his ideas. He's mm-hmm. in his brain moving things around and seeing things in his imagination. Mm-hmm. So when I snapped him out of that, I'm pulling him from his innovation network and innovative ideas come from you daydreaming and imagining things that aren't there. So if I right. stop him from doing that, I'm stopping his basically his gym time mm-hmm. of create of creating. So yeah, allow people brain to gym day, time, daydream. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so allow allow pe- people to daydream, allow yourself, even parents mm-hmm. and teachers and, and adults yeah. to just sit there and stare out yeah. the window. When we get in the car, I don't put electronics in front of him right away. I need mm-hmm. him to stare out the window and look at the mountains, look at the clouds and yes. see what they could be. Like we used to. <laughs> And that, yes. that, you know, that helped us dream about things and learn about things. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because I, I was listening to a podcast uh, in the last couple of days. And the person who was, uh, the woman who was being interviewed is as a big scientist now. And she talked about the fact that she believes that when she was younger, uh, she and her family, because of her father's job, lived in Japan. And he was also uh, either worked in electronics or whatever. He would come home and he would bring home for her brother and her uh, a box or, or a thing. Uh, all the instructions were in Japanese and he wouldn't explain what it was. And he said, you can keep it. He told his children, you can keep it if you figure out what it does. And so, uh, for instance, one was... Uh, all different kinds of gears and things like that. And it ended up being, if you programmed it correctly or put it together, I mean, at that time it wasn't programming, but put it together correctly, then you could create an alarm clock and it would ring, you know, at a certain time or whatever. And she said, she believes that kind of exploration, which I know that's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that you're, or some of the things that you and your husband are doing with Sean is that thinking about what could this be and, what does she call it? Like the reverse process of actually mm-hmm. have the object, you know what it is. We're fixed mindset about that because we know mm-hmm. it's in that box and it says on the label, this is what it is. But they didn't know that. So they created that. So they sort of reverse engineered it, I guess, is the way mm-hmm. that. So those who like to take things apart and put them back together, I guess it's, it's the same idea. And that whole process is all about what you're talking about. And I love the fact that you talked about um, not stopping your son now from daydreaming, because that's also related to what we do when we get to that ultimate above self-actualization, which is Mm -hmm. transcendence, where we're in the flow and people who are in the flow are basically daydreaming in a way, but they're so into it that they, the, there's a sort of a loss of time. You don't realize that time is, mm-hmm. is, is going. So I love all of that sort of just pulls together everything that we talk about in terms of how the brain works and the importance of 
valuing all of that. And what you've done is taken step by step and made it so easy for us to understand what that looks like and what it could look mm -hmm. like. So I always ask my guests about, you know, if you have any additional advice, but at this point, I think mm -hmm. it's really important to ask right now, what advice would you give educators, parents, and so forth? Um, you gave us a little bit here and there about, you know, not cutting off the daydreaming and so forth, but what other kinds of things could we be doing for our students and our children in order to encourage that kind of creative thinking and being in the flow? So I'm an integration specialist. When I taught at elementary school, I taught third grade for three years and then took over the, the arts pro program. And okay. because I had a general education background and credential, I knew mm -hmm. all, all the standards and then I just brought ah. the arts in. So mm -hmm. like teachers who teach general ed and they bring the arts in un, un, underneath, mm -hmm. I was teaching arts and I brought in the general ed underneath. So my kids were learning recorder, but I understand that second grade goes over sound waves, which is science, and third grade's fractions, which is music. So I just made those connections. It's the same thing with creativity. We can integrate these skills into the curriculum. We don't have to have a hire a new creative thinking teacher, you know, and have a whole new <laughs> <That's> track. <good. laughs> yeah. I mean, if you got the funds and the time, go for it. But, yeah. um, but every teacher can, um, once you understand the cognitive creative thinking skills, you can integrate it. So like I, I said, said before, it's that mindset and with the mindset, it's showing our children the creative thinkers that have already come before. Number one, all the different women, people of color, yeah. uh, Native Americans, people they don't see. So they see. can see themselves but, in that, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And it's also, and I, I'm pretty particular about this, in the African-American community, a lot of visuals they see is the struggle and the civil rights. And mm. we did a lot of great work with that. But for my son, I'm not showing him any of those images until he's had a solid foundation of the transcendent creators. Does that make, make oh, sense? And I, I, yes. it, it's walking, because I don't yes. want my son what you to could see be. people. Right. Yes, uh, yes. I don't want him to see hit people who look like him being treated as second-class citizens mm -hmm. and being hosed down and being, you know, mm -hmm. doing all this, being treated in as, as a, as a lower caste system, mm -hmm. basically, Absolutely. um, during his four formative years, I need right. him to see the, the scientists and the women, the, mm -hmm. the women and the African-American women, the people of color women. And also when we show our kids, these, Im these images of, um, people who are in transcendence, who are creating, mm -hmm. um, we need to show them the process. They didn't just, they weren't born in this. Da, 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 da. We right. need to show them the struggle, the background. A lot of mm -hmm. the people don't see the background story of yeah. how they fell and they got back up. And also mm -hmm. we don't show them how things were, were cross-connected cross cultures. A lot of these yeah. great transcendent creators had a background in the arts. They had a background in mm. science and in this other field, and they made connections across dis dis disciplines and across right. hobbies. And so, yes, yeah, so uh, my son will learn about the civil rights movement. He will learn, learn about slavery in America. You know, I, I'm not trying to hide all that stuff from him, mm -hmm. but I, I need him to have a solid foundation of this empowerment. I love that you said transcendence because I do study, um, yeah, Maslow's work and, and all, mm -hmm. all, all those, those guys. Um, mm -hmm. Just, just that, that concept of what mm -hmm. could be, and then understand that, yes, America has not had the most, the, right. the prettiest history especially towards um right. 
particular groups, but there's a lot of people within those groups who still went to transcendence with that, whether it's in civil rights or other areas sure. and still were able to be creative. So mm-hmm. him not even having a lot of those, you know, yeah. concerns, he can even be more creative because there's less mm-hmm. off of them. And I'm teaching him to be a creator earlier on. Like it's a part of his identity. Mm-hmm. He's right. He's writing his first book published right. before four years old, you know, and once that first one is done, kids have to write books they write all all the time in school why not show them that they can be a published author put that thing on amazon Mm -hmm. i don't care if it's just their mom who buys it for 99 cents you know (laughs) it but it it empowers them to say Mm -hmm. my creative ideas have value and i can share it with the world the last point i want to say is not only can creative thinking be integrated within the curriculum but i believe entrepreneurship mindset skills need to be integrated into curriculum as well i'm a big financial literacy advocate because I did not have a lot of financial literacy in myself dealt with a lot of debt and just not even knowing how credit cards work but I have a UCLA oh. degree so what did so what does it mean to be truly educated right and yeah. that really opened a lot of big discussion I wrote a book called debt to destiny creating financial freedom from the inside out which talked mm-hmm. about me being a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and having to mm. train myself on figuring out this whole language of money But what I'm doing with my son and what I'm doing with my nonprofit called Alumni 360 is we are bringing speakers and bringing in camps that educate the kids on how to think interculturally creatively, you Uh know, how do you create with, with people and then take your idea and attach it to an entrepreneurship vehicle and present Uh it to the world. And I think it's so, especially now it's skills are so important of course yeah because it all has to do a lot of it has to do with leadership also if you're a visionary you know if you're a leader not a manager you need to have that vision you need to be able to solve those problems you need to have goals all of those things Um, that's awesome about your nonprofit, and all of the things that you're talking about will all be linked in the show notes so uh, and the books and things that, you know, you've been involved with. And of course, Sean's book, his project will also be in there too, for anybody who wants to support it. It's a, it's a really cool project. I wanted to ask you, um, I heard you on another podcast and you mentioned how important, yeah, how important LinkedIn, social media in general, but LinkedIn especially has been for collaboration and for, or kind of growing your network. And so I'd love for you to talk about that more because a lot of educators worry about getting, stepping into social media. They're afraid they're going to be overwhelmed, but I found that it's my lifeline and it's a great connection and a great way to learn. So I'd love to have your take on all of that too. Sure. You know, they say the smartest person in the room isn't a person, it's the actual room, right? The collective genius. and. Another thing I think we could be working on is as our kids are going through the system, Mm -hmm. doing less on competition, you know, the SATs is really just, you know, a competition score of how you rank a pair to everyone else and, Mm -hmm. and those, and sometimes it really subconsciously teaches our our kids to be be competitive against one another and not collaborative. And so in- and for us to survive, we have to be collaborative because there's things that you know that I don't know. And there's things that I know mm-hmm. that you can benefit from. So we're better mm-hmm. together. That's the quote, right? We're mm-hmm. better to- together. And LinkedIn has really, especially during the pandemic, I've, I was, you know, I shared a few things every now and then. But once I left the classroom in 2019, 
LinkedIn has been huge, but even in the classroom, I connected with educators who were doing a great, great things. They featured what I was doing on their, their platforms. And it just really, you know, they say teachers are the best thieves. (laughs) If if we see a great (laughs) lesson next door, we're going to steal it for our kids. Cause if we're trying to do better for our students and just, yeah, we got to just get together and understand that if, if my kids do well, it doesn't look bad upon your kids. Sometimes, you know, I can say this because I'm not in the classroom anymore, but sometimes the teacher's lounge, it's just like, if one teacher is going above and beyond and trying to go for, for, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, scholarships for the kids or whatever the other teachers want them to stop because it makes them look bad Mm -hmm. and we really have have to 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 rectify that because we're all need to raise up together and Mm -hmm. I was that teacher that just went above and beyond now I was at at a school where everyone celebrated that but I've heard other teachers you know where other teachers were asked them to stop because it's because they don't want to do it and it's making them look look bad Mm -hmm. and so in the end we have to focus on our kids what's the best thing for our kids and if I go for these extra opportunities for the betterment of my children mm-hmm. i'm sorry if that makes you look bad i'm focused on their 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 future sure. so we got to connect absolutely oh uh, that's that's really awesome uh, janine i want to go back just for a minute to, to the topic of intercultural creativity and the idea of how do we know how do we assess where we're at to start off with I think there's something that you use in order to be able to kind of gauge where people are at when you first start talking about it. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I am trained in the global assessment. It's called the IDI, and that stands Mm -hmm. for Intercultural Development Inventory, and it is a valid multi-empirical based test and it's used Mm -hmm. all over the world so it's put in different languages as well and organizations use it companies use it and school districts use it which I think is very important for school districts because like I said before if you have someone with a monocultural mindset Mm-hmm. in a classroom leading kids and they don't have the ability to shift perspectives and to see where their kids are coming from, the kids can be harmed because there might be that disconnect. And you sure. know, for education to really happen, there has to have that connection before transference, transference of information. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, the IDI, it, it is, um, there, there's a small, there, there's a fee, be, but you do get the test. It's like any, it's not a psychological test, but it's like mm-hmm. the, those where you, um, use you have to sign up through an administrator like myself or it's just Mm -hmm. there's tons out out there but you also get a debrief so there's the individual one where you get a debrief you get told your orientation and you also get a developmental plan you get Mm. action items to how how can you develop your intercultural competence competence from where you are so if you're in the first stages the mono cultural the mono you know um orientation stages it, mm-hmm. it, it helps you where you are. If you're in the further oh, nice. stages, like awareness or adaptation, mm-hmm. it helps you where you are because you're further along. And so now you need some right. deep, deeper, you know, thick, thicker work. 
as an educator, you know, you want to have people know where they're starting because like any mm-hmm. GPS, you got to know where you are in order to get where you, you want to go. So I think it's a yeah. fabulous tool. And mm-hmm. I just hope it gets more widely known, especially during this time. And I hope that superintendents know, know about it and people yeah. in authority positions know about it to get their teachers um, mm-hmm. a- a- assessed and so and mm-hmm. then give them a game plan that they can build these skills to help their own right. students build the skills because you can incorporate this stuff into the curriculum as well. Oh, wow. You know what? It, it sort of brings to mind the whole idea of when we self-assess in something like that, sometimes we either rate ourselves much lower or much higher mm-hmm. than we mm-hmm. actually are. So having an assessment instrument that's validated uh, and gives us suggestions is an awesome way to get started at least it gives us the idea and the parameters of where we need to be or where we are in order. And just like we we want for our learners too, we assess them, we figure out what is their prior knowledge in order to take them to the next step. And so, yeah, you're right. Encouraging um, superintendents, encouraging those in charge and encouraging school districts and so forth to actually take a look at that, I think is a, a really important step one before possibly going into anything else, if they're not really sure where they're at and whether they even want to, you know, it's another thing that they have to think about. But it's an Mm -hmm. important thing because as you said, Janine, it encompasses everything that we've all been talking about and that we need to be talking about if we really want to do the best for our children And if we want to have a viable future, you talk about sustainable development and the circular economy, we're not gonna have any of that without creative Mm -hmm. thinking and without this intercultural literacy. So I I love all that. Janine, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or any other advice you wanted to give our listeners before we finish up? This has been terrific, by the way. And like I said, I will include all of the links and anything that you send me in the show notes. But is there anything else that you wanted to tell us about? Yeah, it's just, you know, going back to that beautiful diversity diamond, which we all are, it's just being aware that you're seeing life through a cultural lens, you know, and like mm. I said, my, my gender, my ethnicity, my right. education le- level, I've just, you know, so many things give me the lens that I'm seeing through. And you and I can look at the same you know, piece of art and mm-hmm. have a completely different experience. Um, yes. So Joe, when you're more mindful of that, and um, the, the last thing I'll, I'll share is a good story that my friend, one of the top bias tra- trainers in the nation, Sejal mm-hmm. Thack- Thacker, she, she shared it. She went to the air- airport and there was very, very busy. And there was one seat open for her to her to sit down and eat and next to it was you know this man fully tattooed and and spiky hair orange you know whatever and she just you know she looked at him and she she looked at that at the seat of course all these biases came of like ah mm-hmm. but she just sat down mm-hmm. and and she ended up talking with, with him and he was like you know about six people stood where you stood they looked at me and then they they walked they walked away oh, wow. and she was like yeah the same reaction wow because she actually had, you know, some of those feelings. And that's mm-hmm, why I tell mm-hmm. people during my trainings, I do a lot of, I see me, you got to understand what your emotions are telling you. And then know if you need me to, to question yeah. those, but they ended up talking. It turns out he was a hot air balloon 
driver, <laughs> you know, um, pi- 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 pilot, pilot in Las yeah. Vegas. And she was heading out to Las Vegas the next month. He took her up for a ride, ended up being an amazing time. And I liked sharing that story because I want to challenge people of how many hot air balloon rides are you missing out on because of, uh, yeah. you know, biases, unconscious mm-hmm. beliefs or not wanting to connect with people who may have a different lived experience than you. Right. So that's all about intercultural creativity, creating new things that we need to move the world forward and getting past any of those um, re- restrictions and limited thinking so we mm-hmm. can create together. Yeah. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all have unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, we can walk down the street and see a person and and an immediate judgment comes to our mind. We may change that. We hopefully will change that and give that person a chance like your friend did. But we all have to admit and understand that we have those unconscious biases and So sometimes it's unintentional, but it's still there. And in order to be able to have that open-mindedness and all of those things that you've talked about, we have to be willing to explore and learn and Mm -hmm. collaborate and be willing to open up, um, tell our stories and listen to others tell their stories, that perspective taking, all those things Mm -hmm. that you talked about right now. Janine, this and, has and the, been, the, the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, I was going to say the ahead. last thing, just connecting it with the metaphor mm-hmm. of the diamond is when I look at people, I say, I wonder what diamonds they're carrying. Because not only are we a diamond, we're carrying diamonds of gifts and talents and yes. just solutions. We're carrying, your, your students are carrying diamonds of solutions. So mm-hmm. it's our job as educators to help them identify those, to buff right. them off, to cut them well, so they're mm-hmm. ready so that helps me with any biases to stop and say, oh, I wonder what diamonds they're, they're carrying. Right. Yeah. What are they bringing to this whole collaboration or like you said, to the room, uh, which is bigger than all of us individually? I love that. And that leads to something that I talk about and others have talked about, of course, is becoming that good ancestor. So, and that's a whole other topic that we could get into. This, this was it. really lovely, Janine. I loved it. Where can people find you if they want to hop off the podcast and they're really interested and they want to look for you? And of course, that will also be in my show notes. Sure. Well, the, our company is cafestrategies.com. Cafe stands for Creative Advancement for Financial Empowerment, C-A-F-F-E, strategies.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm all on social media at my name, Janine Letford, G-E-N-E-I-N, Let. Ford. And I also have a website, JanineLetford.com. If, mm-hmm. if they wanted to, to, to go there and check, that's just me. But the, the company is CafeStrategies.com because yeah. we need strategies to help our kids be mm-hmm. creatively advanced and financially empowered so that they can do their best. Right. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, Janine. I'm sure we're going to continue this discussion. Thank you so much. It was so much fun being here. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.